Hey there, MSPs and I MSPs and IT pros. Welcome to the Rocket MSP Show. I'm Steve Taylor, your host, and I ask the tough questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Comet Backup. You can learn more about them in the show's description. Today, my guest is Joel from Message Specs, a company that helps nerds talk more gooder. Uh, Joel, how's it going today, man? It's awesome. Now you nailed it. Talk. We just got to talk a little bit more gooder. We don't have to talk well. We don't have to be eloquent. No. Um, so I'm, I'm super thrilled to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Well, good. Why don't Why don't you give my listeners some background on Message Specs? Like how How and why did you start this company? Okay, so. So we got to go back a couple of years. I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll give you sort of the ABCs of me. Um, I got my start, my early times in uh, theater, education, and video games. Um, and so naturally, uh, during the, uh, the dot-com boom, I became an IT specialist. So I went from working on a help desk at a video game company to a help desk uh, at an IT services company. Ended up doing uh, a stint at NASA in the service center, worked my way into systems engineering and networking. And then I did cybersecurity. It was InfoSec at the time. We didn't even call it cyber. Um, and then I sort of worked my way up into policy and compliance and compliance and policy. And I applied at the Department of Homeland Security for what I thought was going to be a compliance analyst position. Uh, and they looked at my resume and they said, theater education, video games, you were on, did a Nickelodeon stage show. You were an early podcaster back before Apple had even heard of it. Um, you're a communications manager now. And I said, well, what's the difference? And they said, uh, compliance lives in Excel and communications lives in Word. Um, so I ended up being an internal cybersecurity communications manager at the department for about six to seven years, working with the CISO and the CIO at headquarters. So getting a real lay of the land of uh, the programming, um, you know, all the communication channels, working with all the CISOs across uh, the enterprise, writing things up for the secretary and for Congress, and even writing the uh, change your password as frequently as you change your underwear emails uh, that we're so fond of. Uh, I had an opportunity to join a startup, which is like a whole conversation over beers we'll have sometime. Um, but I learned how to market and explain um, very complex. The, the founder, uh, the product was based on his PhD thesis. Um, and I invented a card game to help explain how the product worked, which blew a lot of people's minds. Um, but we were a little early and, uh, you know, didn't quite have the runway. So when the money ran out, I found my way into a marketing agency. Our primary customers were the defense department, um, certain three letter agencies and cybersecurity startups. And, uh, I did branding, communications, content strategy. Uh, my last gig was at an awesome firm that really niches in large cyber companies you've heard of, uh, did some rebrands and some content for them. But I found the real challenge is in getting the, all the messages out consistently um, that these companies need in order to be successful in their marketing. And so I realized that, that, that the, the typical creative agency model isn't built for the deep thinking, the facilitation, the message therapy that uh, nerds need in order to discover different elements of their messaging. So I took myself out of that equation and tried to move myself up, up channel a little bit um, to help tech companies, cybersecurity startups, MSPs, um, work directly with founders and product people to help them figure out the messaging 
So they've got that stuff locked up before they spend money on marketing and, and branding and going to the marketing agencies. As We've all been there. The phone rings, your largest client is on the line, totally panicked. Their CEO spilled coffee all over her laptop and it's completely dead. Everything she needed for her investor presentation tomorrow was on that laptop. There's nothing more heart-stopping than losing business critical data. Whether you get hit with ransomware, hardware failure, or human error, data loss can be a business-ending event. Backups are your final stand when a threat penetrates your layers of defense. That's where Comet Backup comes in. Comet is a secure, reliable backup solution designed specifically for MSPs. Protect computers, servers, virtual environments, emails, and databases. You choose where the data is stored. Backup to local on-prem storage or any of the leading cloud providers to slash your storage costs. Comet grows with your business with scalable per-device pricing. Test drive Comet Backup with a 30-day free trial. Get $50 free credit when you sign up with the promo code ROCKETMSP. Start running backups in 15 minutes or less at CometBackup.com. Comet Backup, the backup solution that MSPs trust. been about uh, nine months now. Very cool, man. You, you've got a, a really awesome journey. Um, so I, I know you kind of spoke to this, but, but let's, let's, let's rewrap some of what you said. What pain points are you aiming to solve for MSPs? The biggest problem is just helping them stand out and look differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think every practitioner Every salesperson, every, you know, technical mind has faced that. I call it the blank stare moment when you have just delivered an on point pitch. You've got all the right technical details. Every bullet was delivered. And then they're just not picking up what you're putting down. Um, or the challenge of, you know, as the MSP market grows, um, we need to differentiate, you know, you cannot, uh, you can't compete on capabilities alone, right? This sort of becomes table stakes. And so what I try to do is say, yes, the technicals are very important. Um, I have a model that helps show where you put all of your technical information, but there's additional things that we need to remember. We have to um, remember storytelling. We got to remember why we got into this business in the first place. Um, and sometimes that story can resonate with an audience. And so if you if you're not capturing it from your team and using it in your marketing, um, you know, you just, I, I say, we just look sound and smell like everybody else. Got it. And what would you say makes message specs different than traditional marketing agencies or consultants? Well, the first thing is I, I, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of categorization and, you know, much of the chagrin of like the mark, the, the Gartners and the foresters and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, introduce myself as a marketing consultant, but I don't do marketing. I don't want to write uh, your web content. I will. I'm a very good writer, um, but I'd much prefer you get better. You and your entire team get in alignment about what your message should be and not just abdicate it to another marketing agency. You know, I've, I've been in the marketing agency experience where we've done website, we've done branding and website uh, designs for somebody and we're six weeks into, you know, showing them the web pages and they're saying things like, you know, we'll just figure out the words later or mm-hmm. just, you know, we'll change that once we launch. And that can really, that can be death to 
cohesive message, you know, and it's just a waste of money. So I'm not a big, I, I love creative agencies and I think they do phenomenal work. Um, but I, you know, I think I'm more focused in helping companies and teams do the self work that's necessary, mm-hmm. really have their stuff locked down. Um, and so the, the other thing that makes us different, and I know we'll talk about it um, a little bit later, is I play card games with my, with my um, clients. So uh, I actually designed a card game to make it fun and easy um, to remind people uh, how, to, uh, uh, how to communicate. And we can go through the, the full model later, um, but it, it's just kind of that thing that catches people's attention. It's a big thing I'm on, which is like the woe factor. And it, it, it tricks the nerds into sharing their feelings. I'll, I'll say that. And I say that as one. I'm, I'm a nerd, so. So, I mean, you've, you've kind of alluded to the message deck. Um, why don't you explain what it is and how it works? Cool. So, so I'll go to my overhead camera. I love, I, I, I try to do, you know, this, it's the showman in me. So basically I realized over many, many years of trying to write technical communications, working with companies, diagnosing why their messaging doesn't work. I realized that we've kind of forgotten what it is to communicate. And so I remind people that there's only three objectives to every communication. Someone has to like you, they've got to understand you, and they've got to trust you. So you've got to grab them, as somebody said last night to me, you got to grab them by the heart before you can grab them by the head and then grab them by the belly or the gut. And if I'd put a, a small intestine there, that would have been weird, which is why I used a hamburger. <laughs> this isn't new. This is actually Aristotle's um, rhetoric. So it's uh, pathos, logos, and ethos. It's stuff that we know as, as communicators, but for some reason, when we go to do our technical communications, our technical marketing, we're just stuck here. So, hi, uh, we're an MSP and we take care of all of your problems and these are the capabilities that we have and won't you please buy our services? And it's like, well, what makes you different? Like, what's catching my attention? What's, what's, where are you triggering that emotion that says, this is a company I want to work with because these are people just like me? And where are you showing those credibility factors? Credibility is kind of hard to explain. Like, there's an emotion and logic, but credibility is that it's, it's an instinct, it's a feeling. But there are certain things that we can do to, um, to foster that. And so then what I did was I didn't just rip off one great philosopher, I ripped off two. So I ripped off Maslow's a Hierarchy of Needs, um, but that's okay because he stole it from the Native Americans, so I stole it back. And I have this, this framework of different elements that we need to be aware of in our messaging and our marketing, starting at the very bottom with those high density, low emotion things like those technical details, your capability statements or, um, you know, the, the, the metrics and the things that, that you provide. And then, but as we move up this, this framework that I have, we get into like bigger things. We get into uh, ideas. We get into stories. We get into how do we craft a, a good value proposition? Um, and I found whenever I would try to try, try to walk clients through this, I would get those technical people that would say, um, well, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to let you come up with the stories. I'm going to let you come up with the uh, with the messaging. And I had to say, OK, that's interesting. Uh, what's something you want to change about our industry? And all of a sudden their eyes light up and they're like, would you know what? Blah, 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 blah. And it's because we triggered an emotion. And so I had this list of questions that would trigger like emotions, logic. Um, credit, uh, credibility. And from those different angles, I had this whole spreadsheet that I used as, as, as a, a branding consultant. And I realized that this could be a game 
that I could use in my, in my workshops with my uh, clients that they could just use on their own with their teams when they're stuck. Um, and so over the past year, I've developed this message deck model, um, and this framework and, and I've been doing it to a lot of success. And I can talk later about how the workshop works and, and where the, you know, why it works differently than everybody else. But the, the, the big thing is, you know, we just need to not take ourselves so seriously, which is why I call it a game. Um, but it's really, it's a, it's a workshop facilitation model. Um, and you know, that sounds nerdy and that's good for me too. All right. Now, um, what I, I think you, I think you might've said one or two, but what are some of the most common messaging mistakes that you see MSPs make? I think the first thing is just going right out of the gate. So when you, you have to remember, um, let's talk about like websites, for example, websites are often the, the first interaction or maybe the second interaction that someone has with your brand after they've met you at a trade show or gotten one of your emails, clicked on a link or whatever, they go to the website. Um, and as technical practitioners, we love this that we do, right? And we often want to, want to put right in front, um, numbers. We want to put in, we want to put in front, um, uh, you know, many, many capabilities, like a whole, whole list. I had one client once, not, not an MSP, um, but they were talking about their capabilities. And I said, well, what, what key capabilities do you offer? And they wanted to put 14 capabilities on the front web page. And I'm like, you're just, the, the real mistake here is that we're overwhelming our audience. You need to draw them in. You want to catch their attention. So like when you're looking at a homepage, a really well-designed homepage should have a big idea, big arresting emotional point, maybe a little bit of text that sort of says what you do or an MSP for who do you, you know, if you have a niche. And then you're building credibility. You're building that case on that front page. You should have very little technical details because you can put that stuff later. You can put that stuff in a download and a, um, in a lead magnet. You can put that stuff in a, um, in another piece of content, but that front page is really like the first moment you've got. So if it is chock full of technical details, you're going to get that blank stare. People are going to gloss over. Um, you know, oftentimes you're not selling to a technical, uh, a technical buyer first. They have a problem, but they don't know the capability that's going to solve it. So opening up with the problems that you solve or the niche that you're in. One of the cards that I have, um, uh, I sort of flashed it up, which is like, whom or what do you advocate for? Right. So maybe you're an MSP and you found out that, uh, your real niche or most of your clients are, um, construction or, or home building, or they're in that home improvement space. And you can really set yourself apart by, you know, telling a story about, um, you know, we protect the people who build homes and shelter families or something like that. And it's all of a sudden, it's not about the capabilities, but it's about the results that you bring. And that little extra bit that you layer on top as that introduction, um, really can go a long way to, to someone saying, when the, when at the end of the day, if I'm just looking capabilities versus capabilities, the person that spoke to me, the person that tugged on my heart, um, even if they cost a little bit more, I may be more likely to work with them because I feel a connection to them. And that can only be built by really being careful about the messaging. Gotcha. What, um, what messaging advice would you give for an MSP that's just starting out? They haven't found their, their niche. They're, they're, you know, they're, and let's be honest. 
they're probably a great technician who was like, well, I mean, we charge 200 an hour. I make 40 an hour. I, I want 200. So yeah. I'm going to start my own MSP. No idea how to run a business. Yeah. I mean, I would say for that, I mean, you know, I'm not a business coach, but I think you've got to find, you've got to find good allies and you've got to find good early customers who are going to be the people that you could bounce those ideas uh, against. And, you know, you get your first couple early adopters and, you know, in that relationship, um, you find the messages, you find the why, you can find your why. Um, I mean, yeah, everybody's, we're, we're in this to make money. Obviously, we've got to support our families, um, but there's also other reasons. You know, maybe you realize that, hey, the way that the status quo works, um, you know, doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for a certain kind of client. Maybe you've realized that um, I always see there's a challenge with this type of client, and I think I've got a way to service them better than the rest of the market. That's what you should lead with. You should say, hey, you know, client base, customer base, the rest of the market out there is going to try to sell you a cookie cutter solution, or they're going to overwhelm you, or they're going to give you a vendor lock-in. These are all things that, you know, we see a lot in, in messaging as reasons to go with, with, uh, with one, uh, uh, provider or another. Um, but if you can wrap that around the, that's not servicing you, or that's not giving you what you need. And I feel for you. And that's why I started my MSP really targeting, and I'm going to do things differently. Um, that sort of rebel streak, you can get a lot, you can get some people to, to come over, um, and at least pay attention. And, and that's the other thing to keep in mind is that this, this, um, head, heart and gut, that is the market. That's the right way. That is the marketing funnel. You've got to get somebody's awareness. You've got to get them to realize that either they have a problem or that, that you exist. You've got to tell them a little bit about you just enough to get them to take that next call, get that next, um, that next meeting. And then you've got to sort of build that, that credibility to conversion. So shoving everything in front of somebody right off the bat, um, without that context and having them emotionally involved, uh, can, you know, again, lead to a lot of wasted cycles, a lot of lost deals. Um, you know, if you get somebody to, to say, this is classic sales stuff. If you get somebody to nod their head along with you and say yes to a couple small things, it's a lot easier to get them to say yes to the big thing. So asking them right out of the shoot for the big thing, you'll often get a no. So now how can an MSPs tell if their current messaging is effective or not besides they're, they're not getting enough new clients. That's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty good tell. Um, you know, it, it often takes doing an audit of with what you start with what you have, which is where I start with my clients. And, you know, I try to be very, um, very honest and upfront that, you know, I'm not doing an SEO audit. I'm not going to do a, 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 um, you know, a full, uh, in-depth content audit. But what I want to do is I want to just look at the content. You have to look at it from fresh eyes with fresh eyes. Sometimes going to take a step back. Sometimes that can mean, um, stripping, you know, the, the logos and the colors away, taking all of the messaging. Maybe you just do a, a select all on your homepage, drop it into a Google doc. And then you go to a couple different competitors, do the same thing. And then you look on the word basis. Like, are we saying the same thing? Do I have the same elements? Wow, they've got testimonials on their front page. We don't have any testimonials. Well, that is immediately um, like a gap that you can that you can identify that you might need to go chase down. 
that's what I do for my clients. I do a, a messaging insight report where like as a, uh, an outside perspective, I give them brutal honesty. I'm like, wow, this, this is boring, you know, or your tagline. If you just Google your tagline and it, and there's more than, you know, 10,000 hits, 20,000 hits on Google, then your tagline that you're so invested in, it's, it's, it's overused. It's already in the marketplace, right? And so there's a lot of things that we just get self-invested. I've met several founders who I'm like, what's your big idea? What's your tagline? And they tell me something like, we do X so you can focus on Y. We mm -hmm. secure what matters to you. And I'm like, my, my startup was doing secure what matters. I don't think it's on this deck. A change your risk conversation. We were doing that in 2015 and it didn't mean Jack Diddley squat back then either. <laughs> so we, we just get so close to this, the messaging because we think we came up with it, but we don't realize that we subconsciously have heard it in many other places. That's why we think it sounds so good. Um, but there is a, there are good pieces to that. So I have a, a client now that's using a very, um, traditional tagline in their messaging. And when I Googled it, there was like 22,000 hits for it. And I said, what, what your tagline is saying, the thought behind it is, um, it's a partnership message. It's a one plus one equals three, um, uh, um, force multiplier type of message. But you're using the same language that everybody else is using. So what we then do is we work together to find a way, if that truly is what their, their core message is, how to say it differently. Um, but you know, oftentimes it does just take somebody from the outside who has been across the industry, who has, you know, seen, you know, dozens and dozens of, of other companies to go, that's not original. You think it is, and that's fine. Nobody likes to hear that their baby's ugly. Um, but you know, your baby has got inner beauty that we want to help come out, I guess is a nicer way of saying it. Now, uh, you mentioned taglines that are used by hundreds or thousands of other MSPs. One that I always liked that, that I've heard multiple MSPs use. We take the SH out of IT. Oh boy. I love that one. I, I love that. And, and just because, you know, I, anytime I can curse without actually having to curse, it's just fun for me. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you, you've probably heard that one before, right? Tons of times. And it's like, yeah. it's cute and it's, it's good for maybe a laugh or a campaign thing, but it tells well, me nothing about what that company does. Other yeah. Than it's not thick enough. It's not, it's not in depth enough to tell me what, what you do. And it just shows me that you haven't, you haven't done the inner work to, mm -hmm. to look at what you're doing. I, I call what I do message therapy for a reason. I have a t-shirt that says message therapist, not a typo. And I get a lot of weird looks when I go to conferences. People are like, but, but that's what it is. It's, you need to do that self work and say, is that really the message that you want to put out there? It's cute. It's good for a t-shirt. So you, you mentioned message audits. What, what does that process look like? So that process is, um, again, I take a look uh, at everything that I can find from the outside on a, on a company or one of my clients. I want to look at um, their social media, their web. I ask them to send me samples of their sales material, samples of maybe emails that they've gotten, because I like to take a step back and literally using, using my, my pyramid model, say, am I seeing each of these pieces? Are your value proposition statements clear? 
Um, are they consistent across uh, all of the different channels? Because another challenge that companies have, um, whether it's a small company and it's you know founder dr driven and they're always pivoting their messaging and they say something different every time they go out into the market or whether they're a large company and they've got multiple people creating um, messaging assets. You've got sales saying one thing and marketing saying another thing. The website hasn't been touched for you know 18 months. I take a look at everything holistically and I say, is there a clear big idea? Are there just a handful of value proposition statements that are consistent across everything? Where are the gaps and opportunities? And I return to them a messaging insight report, which basically says, again, gaps and opportunities. I'm not seeing any credibility builders or um, there's, you know, seems like there's a, that the homepage is saying this, but this email that I'm, that I've, I've reviewed or this, this campaign that I reviewed has a different story. And so then you have a, you have a disconnect in, uh, stories. Sometimes you have a disconnect in identity. I have a client, um, when I looked across their web page, it was very obvious that their website had been built. Um, you know, they needed a page on a new service. So they stood up a new page. It was almost like building the airplane as it was flying, but language was inconsistent across pages or there were eight different places where it said, you know, such and such company is a, you know, that statement about you, what are we has to be consistent no matter where, you know, where it is because you confuse your, your audience. You know, well, I, I looked at the website and it says this, I talked to the sales guy and it said that, and you're confusing your audience. Um, you kind of get like a personality break. So that's that messaging audit is to just frankly, you know, be the eyes and ears because most people don't look at everything holistically. They don't step back. Uh, but it tells me what I've got to work with when I move into the second phase, which is actually doing uh, the messaging workshop. And I and the the process is to pull the cards out, have everybody in a room. The workshop is typically about is typically about a three hour session. We don't go through every card, but I call it like um, a cross between tarot card and chat GPT, except we're we're prompting the smart people instead of the dumb machines. And I don't let what's what's unique and what's different is I don't let people talk at the beginning of, of the workshop, not even the, the person who's paying the bills, not even the, the CEO or the founder. Um, I might let them do an introduction, but I'm literally rapid fire, pull it up, bringing up cards. So uh, this is the result of a workshop that I just did with a client at a, after about um, an hour's worth of work. We had over 300 different points of input from across the team. We had people from different sales lines, um, different technology uh, stacks, offerings, um, leadership, uh, COO was there. And so they all have a different pers per, uh, perspective and a different thing to contribute to that messaging stack. But well, what I don't want to do in the workshop is open it up to a conversation where we have a limited amount of time and it becomes a negotiation. So, or the, the person with the loudest voice dominates and then somebody over here who's got a really great idea can't share. So the process is we're rapid fire answering, they're writing their, their thoughts on the backs of these, um, these note cards. And then we take a break, we take a step back and we literally lay all the cards out, laying our cards out on the table. And then we together start looking for commonalities. We're looking for um, themes. We're looking for phrases that are used multiple times. And, and sometimes we'll find 
you know, there's like five or six cards. It doesn't really matter what the question was that prompted the idea. But five or six of those cards, um, the input cards have a very similar thought behind them. Maybe they're using a different word, but there's, there's a, uh, an intent behind them. And I'll say, you know, it feels like there's a message about, um, uh, pride here, or it feels like there's a message about, um, uh, being the rebel here. Have you ever used that in any of your marketing? And nine times out of 10, they say, we had no idea we were all thinking the same thing. And I'm like, that is a gold nugget for you. So, so after collecting all the cards, um, clustering them for, for common themes and then making some decisions about like the outliers, what really doesn't fit. We've together built a messaging foundation of those basic messages. Um, and everybody's in alignment. Everybody walks out of there almost immediately, um, thinking differently about how to talk. And then, uh, the, the work that I do after that is collecting it up, documenting it. I put it into, um, uh, a template and a database because nerds love systems. So I put it into a messaging system that is so much more than your typical marketing companies. Um, here's your brand PDF. Here's your PowerPoint slides. Um, have a nice day. I'm literally giving them like the player's handbook for the everything they could need to talk about. And then together we build campaign, we build um, playbooks and campaigns based on that. And it prevents the um, it prevents somebody from going rogue and coming up with a mar message that doesn't really match. We can bounce it against our first principles and go, hey, that doesn't fit with what we said we were going to talk about. Or maybe it does and we need to incorporate it. And so, you know, very quickly, we're able to get hundreds and hundreds of ideas clustered down to just a really small core set of messages that really represent this company and are different in the market. So, I know that you, you sell, uh, like the, I, I wouldn't call it done for you messaging because, um, you're not doing the work. You're, you're guiding us through doing the work, but you also sell these, these message cards, you know? uh, separately and, and people can pick those up for, I want to say like 150, 175 bucks. Yeah, the, the card deck is, is 200. Um, okay. but today. Uh, I will add a coupon to my store that if you use Rocket MSP, you can land them for, for 175. Um, with the card deck, it comes with a session with me to explain and walk through the deck. There's a couple of videos and, and, and a guide. Um, but it is a do it yourself model. It is something that you can use for your team or just yourself. If you're just a technical practitioner and you want to be more, um, uh, be more intentive about your communication and deliberate in, in not overwhelming your audience. Um, it's a great exercise for, you know, I've got to do a threat brief or I've got to present, um, you know, the results of a report. How do I connect with this person and get them to do what I want them to do? Because oftentimes as technical practitioners, again, we're like, here's the results of my threat research. Please make the decision I'd like you to make. We don't ever actually tell them what the decision should be, or we don't ask, or we don't give it to them in a compelling way. Um, so that's the, the, the do it yourself model. And I do the done for you is the full consulting and where I'm helping them write the guide. And I, and I help them in, institute and work with partners of mine to actually put together, you know, messaging. Um, and then somewhere in between, I'm also doing a uh, kind of a coaching mentoring model, which is a little bit more hands off a little bit more accessible for smaller businesses 
but it, you know, we, I'll give you the resources. We have regular check-ins. Um, I'll do content audits and review for message and sort of help you along the way. Um, but my real, my real feeling is that we as technical people, we, sh- we, it should be on us to be able to communicate better. It shouldn't be on our audience. And, and, you know, especially coming up in the cybersecurity, the whole, um, you know, us versus the user, the people are the problem. Well, if they would just learn not to click on things. Um, and I think as an industry, we've moved on beyond that, but there's still a lot of like, why isn't the audience getting what I'm saying? Why aren't they getting what I'm saying? And that thing we should be asking about is what is it about what I'm putting out there or we're putting out there that is keeping them from understanding mm-hmm. and it puts a responsibility on us. So let's talk about some low hanging fruit. Um, MSPs of varying sizes, whether they're startups, uh, or, or doing, you know, multi-million dollar, uh, annual revenue. What are some, some quick wins or low hanging fruit that these MSPs can work on today to immediately clean up their messaging? Yeah. Not fix it, not fix it perfectly, but. That's a really great question. And, you know, I think it starts with just taking a step back, reading through what you've got and just, you know, looking for certain things. Are we telling a story? You know, maybe it's going to take a while for you to figure out what the story should be. But, you know, do we have any storytelling elements? And I'm not saying it needs to be the once upon a time, uh, the hero's journey. We hear a lot in marketing, story branding and things like that. Just are we showing how we connect with our, with our buyer? Are we talking about their lives and their experience? That's what I mean by storytelling. Um, do we have enough uh, credibility building, right? Testimonial. So I have a, I have a proof point card um, called Testify, which is, you know, it's very awkward to talk about ourselves, but it's great when someone else can say something about us. So we are, do you have clients and customers, even anonymously, that you can, you can ask to provide quotes because that, that trust transference and that social capital of this work for somebody else, um, that may be hard to come by for somebody who's, who's, who's early or just starting up. Um, but you know, as, as I think I said earlier, those first couple clients are gold to talk to, um, to capture that, um, to capture that, that, uh, uh that proof point and that, that credibility builder, because you can say you've got all the capabilities in the world. We see it a million times. Um, in, in the tech world and in security, all these, you know, big grand, um, promises. Um, and then there's, there's no there there. Right. And the, the buyers are becoming very jaded. They're becoming very savvy. Um, I was at Black Hat this past year. One of my side projects is another card game I'll probably release in the early part of the next year, uh, called the periodic table of bad cybersecurity. And it is those phrases, those, uh, we take the SH out of IT. We, we do X so you can Y. One of my favorites is, um, uh, blank at the speed of blank. So, you know, I'll tell you right now, if your website says data at the speed of cloud, cloud at the speed of business, mission at the speed of the data, at the speed of, nobody knows what it means. And it, it's, you know, it's just one of those that, things that we ignore. Yeah. That might be one of the dumbest. I don't know that I've read it, but hearing it now, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yep. Your business, your business data, data at the speed of your business, speed at the, yeah. So I have, I, I was at Black Hat 
literally just taking pictures of every single booth headline I could. And what I do appreciate about Apple um, is, is when you swipe down and do a search and search through text on images. So the first thing I looked for was one of my favorites, which is the global leader or the leader in. And I found five large companies. We're talking about household name companies that were just the global leader or the leader in. And I, this is, I kind of, uh, kicked the hornet's nest a little bit and I posted on, on LinkedIn at Black Hat, you know, Hey, cyber industry, you stop copying each other's homework. Mm -hmm. Everybody, it, it, being a global leader in something means you either paid somebody off, you know, you got some analysts to say something nice about you. You paid for, um, some report. It, it doesn't, it's not compelling to a buyer. It doesn't say why. So if you're, if you're trying to lean on messages that mean nothing, um, and that's your big idea, your audience is going to see right through it. That post got like 153,000 impressions in a week. And most of the comments were, were buyers of technology, not technology marketers who, which is who I thought my, my audience would, I thought it would resonate with them, but it was mostly buyers saying, this is why I can't trust, um, salespeople. This is why I don't trust anything that I see on a website. You know, everything in, in marketing is BS. And those are your buyers. That's what they're responding to that we look and sound and smell like everybody else. So you just have to take a hard look first thing at, you know, are we using commodity language? Um, do we have enough of those proof points? Um, do we just look and sound and smell like everybody else? And that is hard because we're very close to who we are. We're very close to our company sometimes, especially early ones, founder driven ones where everything was our idea. Um, but yeah, a quick win, uh, you know, look for commodity language, look for a lack of stories, look for testimonials and proof points. And just those three, um, you know, will, will set you, set you apart. Um, and then it's just, there's some work that needs to be done in, uh, discovering the rest. So I'm sure you've got a philosophy when it comes to technical terminology, jargon, use it, avoid it. What do you recommend? So I think I don't like to see, um, technical jargon in headlines. I think the headline should be because the way we read, the way we read things, we scan and we look for the big words. So, so another, another really quick win. Maybe I'll just rewind a little bit. Look for big chunks of text paragraphs as the industry expands and businesses do digital transformation and blah, 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 blah. No, see if you can make that really short. Put a headline above it, right? But your headline shouldn't be jargony. It should be human. Jargon can be useful because yes, we have SEO. Yes, we, we have people who scan. They need to see a certain, um, a certain phrase, uh, you know, to validate, but that can't be the, the main takeaway. That's just the validator. That's just the, the proof point, right? So that stuff can be, uh, de-emphasized. Um, you know, I, I, every founder that I have met in the past, five months has been building an AI something and I haven't paid attention to the second thing that they said because the first thing out of their mouth was AI. You know, tell me the problem that you're solving, then you can tell me that we're using AI to do it. But you're not building an AI something something. You're building a problem solver. So it's like the jargon and, you know, zero trust absolutely chaps my rear end because most people have never read the paper that it was based on and they don't realize that zero trust is not a noun. It's an adjective, right? 
You don't buy zero trust. You don't have a zero trust. You might have a zero trust policy. You might have a zero trust philosophy and implementation. None of that takes technology, right? So people who are just using that jargon and that buzzword, they don't know what it is. I, I, <laughs> I was at last week in Austin, the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, which is a, um, a phenomenal membership organization. Um, if you're, if you're working in, in cyber or tech on the marketing side, they won't let me join because I'm a consultant. Um, but I'm friends with a lot of them there. So I went to their conference. Somebody was talking about it was sub, we have sub zero trust. We're sure zero trust. We're even less than zero. And it was like, what does that even mean? It just, it shows me you did do your homework. Um, so if you're going to use jargon, it, you have to use it properly and you have to, you know, you have to use it carefully. Um, because buyers are starting to get savvy. Mm -hmm. I like that sub zero trust. I think, uh, my, my trust is, um, the square root of negative one. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but, but you have a cyber background. So I, f I feel confident that you can give me a, a good answer. So what are your thoughts on these uh, cybersecurity companies who are advertising things along the lines of, uh, transform your MSP into an MSSP in a single day or at the push of a button. There's two I've, companies I've run into now that are doing it. I've that. seen your posts on that and I'm, I laugh along I exactly. And I'm like, is that click the get more info? Like you've already burned a click with me. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's the, it's these companies that make these outlandish claims. I mean, there for a couple of years in cyber, everything was 360 degree, 100% absolute coverage. <laughs> and, you know, it's like that might work in your little lab that might work in your, in your pilot. Um, but in the real world, you know, nothing is perfect. And, and, uh, I'm a fan of several podcasts in, in cybersecurity about marketing. And they, they all basically say the same thing, which is we've got to stop lying to our, um, to our, our, audience and setting this expectation. Now, you know, we can help your MSP on a road to maturity to be, um, to become an MSSP or bring our, cause you know, all of these are service companies or technology companies that are promising, you know, a bolt on widget, nothing bolts on that easy. I've got a card in, in my technical stack, which is like, be honest about the level of, um, of integration and how much effort it's going to take. Show your audience this is the onboarding plan for our product. Do that right up front. And if it, you know, if, if the value is there, they'll appreciate you being upfront about what it takes to come on board. But if you're making these outlandish claims, and I guarantee it was a marketer that came up with that. And the technologists at that, at those companies are tearing their hair out because they know that it can't be done. And so you've already set up a, a, a stressful adversarial relationship with that buyer who shows up on day one and is like, I've got clients waiting in the wings for this MSSP service. So uh, flip the switch. And they're like, well, actually, it's going to be a three month integration or I mean, maybe it is that good. But I doubt any of those companies have any published um, use cases or, uh, you know, any testimonials to the fact that it is in a day or within, you know, even a week sounds uh, too good to be true for me. Um, because I know what it takes to, to 
properly do cybersecurity and it's never a hundred percent and it's never, um, you know, fully covered. So by promising that you're going to get that with a click or within a day, you know, I, I, I would immediately run the other way. Good. Sorry, companies out there, if you're listening, call me. I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I'm, um, I'm from marketing. I'm here to help. Yeah. So, um, MSPs, should their messaging be different when they're, when they're speaking or messaging or whatever the right term is with, uh, prospects versus customers? I think that is a phenomenal question. And I'm, I'm going to raise sort of a bit of, bit of my philosophy that I didn't, I, I've touched on it, but I didn't talk about, which is the difference between clarity and focus in your messaging. So, um, in a, in a, I have a presentation that I do, which is on effective cybersecurity communications. And I talk about the difference between the clarity of thought, the thing that is at the root of what you want to communicate. So Aristotle said the essence, um, to get all philosophical on you. It's the essence is the thing that makes the thing be the thing, but it's not the thing. So if that sounds confusing, it's literally what you want the takeaway to be, what you want them to hear. Then there's a difference between the focus, which is taking that, that message intent and projecting it on the, the audience or on the medium. So whether it's social or email or, or a long form piece of content, your expression of that essence, the words that you say can be different. But if you have a prospect and you're telling them one thing, and they flip over and that customer relationship handoff, it goes to somebody else. And now you've got, uh, um, you know, a different message. That's a real turnoff. It almost feels like a bait and switch, which is why with my messaging system that I put in place with my clients, it's to avoid that because you should have the same, I call it first principles messaging. You should have the same core message, um, that applies. And maybe one doesn't apply to, to one class of audience or another. Um, but if you're going to say something to two audience members, <clears throat> the, at least the root of it should be the same. Um, and that's where, you know, my messaging system, <clears throat> excuse me, is about marketing, sales, account management, product delivery, uh, product marketing. Everybody should be using the same set of messages and often they don't. Um, you know, while we did this campaign for, there was a, there was a big incident. We did this campaign for, for, um, you know, universities because a university just got tipped over. Um, and you know, we're saying one thing and now we're coming over here and we're saying something else to a government client or to a, um, some other sector. If you don't have a root, um, message, then you're just, you're really just chasing, uh, chasing messages. And that doesn't serve in the end because it's hard to keep track. Um, so I would say the words that you use may be different with a, a customer or a prospect, but the root in the intent um, and where that message comes from has to be the same. Otherwise, you, re you really are doing a bait and switch. I don't know how I scrolled up so far, but I'm looking at the wrong question now. Um, all right, let's talk about every one of my guests' favorite topics, pricing. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, not MSP's pricing, your pricing. Um, so, so we talked about the message decks that we can, we can get those. 
Uh, normally $200. You got a coupon code you'll activate today. Rocket MSP. We can get a deck for $175. Super awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned that uh, there's two different uh, types of engagements that you can do above the message decks. Can you can you give us some some details and how does pricing work? Does it does it vary based on the size of the MSP or is it just here's my engagement fee one size fits all? It well it's a it's a one size fits most. So let's talk the consulting first, mm-hmm. which is like the full package. Um, really, it depends on the size of team and uh, you know how whether I have to do multiple um, workshops. Uh, but typically that process from the audit to the workshop to having the message um, system in place is about a six, uh, six to eight week process, depending on holidays and, and, and get back. Um, and then, you know, I, I typically stay on for an activation period where we're building out um, uh, campaigns and playbooks. Full package for that, you know, can range anywhere between, you know, 20 to 25,000, which if you think about it, you know, if you're going to pay sixty to $80,000 for a website, um, you're not going to want to redo that website again, you know, six months later when it's not working. So it's, it's worth doing the investment up front to have your messaging in place so that your, your messaging and your marketing can, can stick with your audience and can scale. Um, that's when I'm working, you know, enterprise, large corporations, the middle tier model, which is, uh, I call it message mentor. That can range, uh, you know, anywhere from uh, 300 bucks a month to 900 bucks a month, depending on um, how many times we meet. And again, that's a lot of like a, you've got a small team. You can probably take on a lot of this work yourself. You're doing a lot of things in house. You just need somebody to, to push you along, um, to check in and do, uh, answer some questions. And, and with that comes, you know, say biweekly phone calls. Um, I'm available for asking me anything through, through a video messaging service. So, you, you know, you're in the middle of the night or you're at a conference and you're like, we just had an idea for this message or we just did this campaign. It's not working. Um, you know, I do a quick turnaround where, you know, I can respond back and, and give you my thoughts. And that, that again is that middle tier. It's like, um, it's, it's more like a coach. It's more like an advisory role. Um, and again, if I'm working like one on one with an individual, buying a six month package, I think that comes in around 350 a month. If I'm working with a team and I'm doing a little bit more of marketing audit and getting into the website and looking at things, I'm still hands off because it's not full consulting. That's, you know, maybe 750, 900 a month, depending on what package they buy. Um, but my real objective is whether it's do it yourself, done with you or done for you, um, that you're getting immediate uh, epiphanies and you're getting immediate action items. And, and, you know, there is no such thing. We talked about it earlier. There is no such thing as a, as an immediate turnaround ROI on some of this stuff. And so messaging is tough. You have to get it in the marketplace. Um, which is another reason why I recommend people don't jump straight into branding and websites. You've got to do some, you got to do some minimally viable marketing campaigns with new messaging. You got to test it. You got to, you know, find a customer advisory board. I've got an, an incredible, um, friend and colleague who does literally has like IT, um, buyers and CISOs and you can, and she does interviews with them. So you can get, uh, insight about your messaging bounce against like a, a customer advisory panel. I've got other partners who build sales processes. You know, one of the biggest challenges with companies is they, they 
hire a bunch of people and say, we'll figure out how to sell this stuff later. We get to get the bodies in first. And this guy comes in and he helps you build out your, your, your sales process, your sales funnels, and, you know, helps you put that in place before you hire people so that you don't have to untrain them, um, for that. And so, you know, that is a, sort of a network that I'm putting together, kind of like this dream team of independent, but related freelancers who all do an amazing slice. And, you know, so it's like just, and, and I'm, I do that just matchmaking. I just love connecting people with the right people. Um, so, you know, if anybody wants to, to get in touch with me and just do a quick discovery session and go, Hey, these are the problems that I have. If I'm not, if I'm not the guy to help you out with it, I will happily and gladly say, I think you should look here. I think you should talk with that person because it's all about helping, um, our industry get better. I, I agree. I, and let's be honest, our, our industry needs to get better. Yeah. Um, otherwise we'll have companies that thinks it's okay to, to say business at speed of light or whatever nonsense I or, had, or MSP into an MSSP in a day. There was one company at, um, DEF CON that at least they said, um, uh, business at ludicrous speed. And yeah. I kind of, I kind of was like, okay, I can, I can appreciate that because it's so bombastic. It's so out there that it caught my attention. I know that you're not promising the actual ludicrous speed, but now I can lean in and want to learn more. So, I mean, there are ways to use those turns of phrases. Um, but you promising something overnight or 360 degrees, I'm immediately turned off by that. And let's be honest, uh, ludicrous, isn't that the mode in a Tesla? Well, yeah, it is. And he stole that from Spaceballs, I think. So okay. you know, we're all, we're all stealing stuff around here. But, but at least, at least when someone says business at ludicrous speed, like I, I test drove a Tesla model X with, uh, with ludicrous mode on. And let me tell you that threw me into the seat and I, I, I'm, I, wow. You, you had, you had a visceral, emotional body reaction to that word because you'd experienced ludicrous. I, being. I have experienced ludicrous and it, 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 that word is perfect for that vehicle going zero to 60 and what is it? One point something seconds. Yeah. It was, it was ludicrous. It, it was absolutely insane. At, at least, at least they, they, uh, um, they fall, they saw through on one marketing claim that they made, which was ludicrous speed. I don't know. Some of these other things, um, I mean, you, you only have to look at, at, you know, Tesla and see, you know, a company that has, they've got the goods. They've got technical, um, they do have technical excellence, regardless of the business, um, operations that they've got there. But they're also making claims out there, you know, well, we're, we're going to have full, full self-driving. Um, everybody's going to be, we're going to switch on this, um, this taxi network. And, you know, people have learned not to believe or pay attention to the stuff that their leadership says, that their marketing says. They have a technically excellent product. They um, do. And, and unfortunately, I don't even know that it's their marketing. I think it's their CEO. It's just the C. Well, he runs everything. I mean, he... That, that is an example of a, of a founder led company that could probably have some adults in the room. Um, or, you know, 
I, this is just for a completely different show. No, so it's, it's a good parallel. It's a good parallel. It, it is. And, and I think, I think that's, I, I think Elon Musk is honestly, what, what a fantastic example of what not to do. Very much. Very much. So, so, and, and look, I like, I like the Tesla cars. Okay. So, and, and I, and I like, I want to say a lot of what Elon stands for. I'm not saying politically or anything. I mean, like technologically. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, I think we'll all have differences of opinion when it comes to things that we shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily talk about with each other, but, uh, technologically i can appreciate what his goals are you know spacex and tesla even the boring company like you know, he's he's got he's got some really cool companies but you know one has to wonder can one guy be an effective ceo of five i think five companies yeah like i'm barely an effective ceo at one <laughs> yeah well, I mean, he he's had he's had the benefit of of coming into companies that had some pretty good ideas, and he pushes them. The one thing he does is he with his outlandish ideas is he pushes people. He's definitely painting big ideas. He's definitely putting stories out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe some of them defy the laws of physics. Uh, that's what innovators, you know, they they need to do. They need to push people. Um, when it comes against the whole, the cold, hard reality of, um, people. So, you know, Twitter being a, being a, a people problem, not, it's not really a technical, uh, solution, a technical space. It doesn't always work. Um, and, you know, you can build a great list, trying to pull it back to the, the, the subject of the day. You can have an amazingly technically, um, you know, technical setup with your MSP. Um, but at the end of the day, getting people in the door, and, you know, selling to them and converting them, that's, that's where you need people. That's where you need to understand people. It's not just technology. Um, and, you know, that's what I, that's what I live to do is help people, it, it, again, help those nerds talk good. I, I really like what you're doing, Joel, truly. Uh, guys, check out messagespecs.com. I've got one last question for you. Yes, yes. What is your bold prediction for the MSP industry in the next three years? Man, you know what? So I, I've talked with several, um, founders. I've talked with a lot of people who are spinning up new, new MSPs, a lot of really interesting models. You know, um, we think we've seen it all, uh, you know, a lot of remote, a lot of follow the sun type models and things like that. Um, but I think, I think we're going to see a niching and a differentiation, right? So as I said earlier, you know, would you rather work with a, with a big mammoth gargantuan MSP or one that came out of, um, your, your type of work or your community or your industry, right? Like I, I, you know, I've worked in financial services, had some clients very early on with that startup. And it's like financial services want to work with somebody who understands the intricacy of them. Um, it's not that things need to be cookie cutter but they need to be very targeted and very custom. And I think we're going to see probably uh, a rise in that niching down. Um, you know, again, like maybe you've got, maybe most of your clients are um, 
you know, construction or home improvement. And so you can tell a story about, you know, well, one of your big problems is you've got all these, these contractors with, with laptops on the road and on the go. Um, and how do you, how do you service and protect them? Right. And that's kind of a unique problem that if you can figure out how to solve that and you can, you can, um, create a package around that problem and that need, um, that nobody else can solve, then you, you excel in that niche space. So I think a, a lot of niching down, uh, which is going to require communicating and, and differentiating the message. All right. Well, I gotta say, thank you so much for coming on here and doing this with Tom. You're a wealth of knowledge and I wish you the best. Awesome. And it, it's been an absolute pleasure. And again, I, I do several, you know, free message therapy sessions. If people just want to be like, bounce a problem off of me, um, you can, you can connect with me through my website, find me on LinkedIn. I'm all about just, you know, giving things, sharing the model. Um, cause it's all about us all getting better. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel. Thank you everyone for watching. And I will catch you guys, uh, after my next one's going to be January 10th. So, Hey, everyone enjoy your Christmas, enjoy your other holidays, um, all inclusive. <laughs> so, uh, you guys enjoy your holiday break and I will catch you guys after the new year when I meet with, uh, Alex from empath. So it's gonna be a good one. Take care, everybody. See you, everybody.